Welcome back, my friends. I have so much exciting news to share with you. First and foremost, I submitted the manuscript for my book to the publisher and it is ready for edit and eventual publishing. I'm so excited to bring this passionate work to you all and I will keep you posted as that timeline continues. I also would love to introduce you to a panel that I have brought on today to talk about what might not sound like super exciting content, but I actually think you'll find it very valuable. If you are of my generation, so grew up in the 80s, you may or may not have a mercury dental filling. That was very commonly placed back then, still placed today, but maybe not as commonly. And the reality is that its safety has come into question and the vapors from that mercury negatively impacting our bodies is in question. And my functional medicine doctor encouraged me to reconsider having removal of my mercury dental filling. And that had actually been on my list of things to do, but for some reason kept falling down that list of priorities. So I moved it up, I had it done, and I had a really great conversation in this episode with a group of women who either already had it done or are considering it. And I thought it would be valuable to bring this conversation to you all in case it is also on your list or maybe hasn't made the list, but this conversation might help it get on that list. So I am excited to bring you Andrea, Katie, and Nina. They will all introduce themselves to you. So don't worry, you'll get all their story as well. But they have joined me for this episode to talk about mercury dental filling removal, all the ins and outs of anything you might want to know. So I hope you enjoy this and I will keep you posted on my book. Here we go. All right. I'm so excited to be here as kind of a last minute ish decision on a conversation that I think is really valuable and will be really valuable for all those who listen and end up sharing with others. And it's going to be about mercury dental fillings, which probably on its surface doesn't sound like the most exciting topic on the planet. But for those of us who have been in a state of considering doing this or have already done it and want to share with others what our experience has been, this is going to be the platform for that. So I'm really excited to be here with a group of amazing women who are either interested in doing it or have already done it. And we will make sure that we get as much information out there as we can from both our experience and any, uh, um, objective information we can share with you all. So before we get started, I would love for you all to introduce yourselves. So I'm just going to kind of go in the order that's on my screen so that way I can just keep, keep track of everything. So Andrea, you're to my left. So, oh, Hey everyone, Andrea Leschak, <laughs> pharmacist, patient advocate, diver sailor over here in North Carolina. <laughs> awesome. You know, we're concise, like us pharmacists, we're like, here's the, here's the info. <laughs> all right, Katie, you're next. Hi, Dr. Katie Wood. I'm a pharmacist and also a fertility health coach, and I have not had this done yet myself due to pregnancy and extended breastfeeding. So I'm super excited to learn more from these ladies. Awesome. And you have a podcast too, Katie, go ahead and plug your podcast. Yes. Uh, your my podcast is rising into mindful motherhood. So really all about fertility through postpartum like and motherhood. Yeah. That's a good fantastic. Name. <laughs> I will, um, I'll have that in the show notes in case anybody missed that, that full name. I know we're all sometimes listening on the go. So, all right, Nina. Awesome. I am um, Nina Dartnell. I am a pharmacy technician. I'm the owner of a coaching company called Prescribe Success. And I also run the pharmacy technician channel on our PH Ally. And I have been in the pharmacy space for quite some time in my journey to wellness really started when I uh, got sick with mold, um, mold toxicity. And I started learning about uh, environmental toxins and just the role that they play, you know, and so I really, in, you know, fully threw myself into understanding root cause illness and, and so on and so forth. And so this is something near and dear to my heart. Um, I started removing mercury fillings probably about five or six years ago. Um, and then have gone on to, you know, more higher level detoxing. Um, I actually, in my office right here to my left is my sauna. 
I have a near and far infrared sauna. So I can't wait to talk about a little bit more about that, but that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, I love it. I love that we're all kind of coming from the pharmacy world and probably not a topic that people expect from, from pharmacy, like mainstream people are always like, oh, you're a pharmacist, but like, you don't think this way, you know, you're not, you're supposed to think a different way. And so I, I love that we're all kind of coming from that uh, background, but I would love to just start with, and I already told Katie to interject at any point and start asking questions because she's the representation of all of you who may have not had this done and want to know um, all about it. So, uh, but I would love to just first start with everybody sharing um, what, what made them consider this as a necessity? Like why, why do, why do we have to care about this? You know, we're told that it's safe. We, it was put in years, you know, many of us have had this since childhood. So we're talking decades. Um, and so why even, why even consider this to be something to, to venture down? So, um, Andrea, you want to start with that? Yeah. Um, it was really interesting for me. So there were a lot of factors that contributed to me finally having the one filling that I had that had the old style, uh, Malgamer mercury fillings. Um, I think the filling was put in when I was 10 and it was so freaking traumatic, you know, cause it must've been a big cavity back then. I felt all the shame that I had <laughs> this filling and dare I say, it, I dragged that through my, you know, like I'm 54 now and I can still remember that, that horrible feeling. And um, I mean, I have had some cavities in life with the newer ones, which, you know, had been replaced already a couple of times because the, the materials change, they find out something new. Um, and I'd asked two previous dentists about having this one taken out. And they're like, look, the guy, the, the, the dentist did a good job. You know, when I was in my thirties, I asked about it. Forties, I asked about it. Um, here I am in my fifties now. And I've been really struggling with TMJ jaw clenching. I don't grind, but I clench so bad that I cracked a tooth and I get these really bad migraines. And so like Nina was saying, root cause, I'm sitting here going, okay, so here's the deal. If I'm clenching my teeth so badly and I have this filling, what if I'm like wearing away over decades and this could be a contributing factor. So I finally went to my new dentist, I'm in a new state. Um, I brought it up and he's like, yeah, there's no problem. We can pop it out because it was right behind the tooth that I had cracked. <laughs> and he's, and then he was in there at the same moment. And he's like, yeah, I could do it in like 15 minutes. And so, I mean, I didn't go through somebody special to do it. Um, popped it out 15 minutes done while I got the new tooth, you know, the, uh, the repair done on the, the tooth that I had cracked. And so when I got home, we were talking about like steps that you take. I um I use spirulina and or spirulina and uh, chlorella. So I boosted up some of my nutritional supplements that I take to, you know, help possibly mitigate anything that happened. I mean, he did use like filtration and he used uh, water and things like that to make sure that I didn't swallow any. But yeah, it's out and it's been fine. <laughs> and, you know, dare I say between that and the TMJ treatments I'm having, my migraines are down. Yay. All right. We're going to dive. I, I do want to dive into a lot of the details of what you just mentioned, uh, specifically about the logistics around what this looks like, like what all of our experiences were with the types of modalities they use to remove it safely. Uh, but first let's ask Nina what, um, what, and you kind of already mentioned this cause you mentioned mold exposure. So yeah. What's yeah. your journey? So I started getting sick, um, in back in 2013, 2014 with very odd symptoms, um, more allergy type of symptoms, and they just continued to progress. And so after about two, three years, I was traveling a lot for work. I was in sales and I would notice that I was better when I was away from my home. Um, and so I kept coming back to home because I worked, you know, out of my house and saying, it's got to be something here. And I, I never, ever thought about mold. Um, I thought this house had been completely gutted to the studs. Uh, it was, you know, relatively new. What could there be? You know, that's molds. I had searched high and low, never saw water stains anywhere. And so lo and behold, I had my, um, you know, husband at the time just, pull off a piece of baseboard in the, in the um, shower in our master bedroom bathroom because there was a tiny little brown speck on the wood. And I was like, it's gotta be there. It's, that's what's the problem. Um, I actually had the host tested first and it did come back high levels of aspergillus penicillin. 
And so we knew it was in the house and we knew it was concentrated to the master bedroom, but we didn't know where it was. And so, yeah, he popped it off and the entire wall behind it was filled with black mold. Um, it was actually a leaking shower valve. So the shower was leaking behind the wall and it was only when it was turned on. And because I was not there during the week, you know, necessarily I was traveling a lot. It didn't always leak. And so the saturation, because this was an old house, it just kept getting um, sucked up by the wood beam downstairs. So this was on our first floor master bedroom and we didn't notice it um, until you took out the shower. And then it was literally all molds that had rotted the floor of the shower. Yeah, it was terrible. And so I, I, I did not have anybody who could really help me because allergists were telling me, Oh, it's just an allergy. Um, nobody understood what molded and, and everybody would say, Oh, you can't really get sick like that from mold. And I had so many symptoms and so many problems. And so I, I just started on my journey. That's when I first found my first functional medicine practitioner, um, here in Massachusetts. And I said, I tested my house and he said, okay, let's do some mycotoxin testing with you and organic acid testing. And, and I excreted a lot of mold. <laughs> and so you know, it was trying to repair the body. But then that, as I learned, like he said, oh, you have a lot of mercury fillings, like that's binding, you know, to the mold. And so that started on my detox journey. Um, I did find through him a biological dentist. Um, so my experience was very much through the SMART IAOMT protocol and the SMART protocols. And um, I did a lot of, a lot of, before I even went to the dentist, a lot of IV vitamin C, um, a lot of glutathione, just to support my body. And as I was detoxing the mold, my body just really went through, you know, a lot. I can't tell you what that detox process looked like for me. I, as soon as we left the house, um, just that fluid and, you know, excess fluid and, and inflammation just started draining from my body. And so I realized that it was so connected. And then when I ha started having one at a time, the, the mercury amalgam, you know, mercury amalgams removed, um, I, how much better I felt and how it just made such a positive, you know, turn in my, in my life and in my health. Um, and that's when I got into the sauna and really started using sauna afterwards to really detox. I did a lot of binders, you know, so initially I started with like cholestyramine, um, you know, as that was the kind of the binder to use. And now I've moved on to, you know, many other, um, binders that I've used mostly zeolites, um, things like that to, to really pull and, and also to bind the mercuries and get, you know, that out. I've done HTMA. So hair testing, and I realized I had a lot of mercury in my, just even in my hair, you know, hair analysis. Um, so I did all of that before I started and I've repeated it since I've started and I have one amalgam filling left. Um, but of course I, this was closer to me being or wanting to be pregnant. And I didn't want to do that. Um, because even with the smart protocol, there's still a potential for you to, to, you know, leak, uh, mercury into your bloodstream because you're right on your, you know, in your oral cavities, it's so easily absorbed. Um, so my, my, you know, process that I went through was that you always start with vitamin IV C, um, you know, they use, uh, almost like a mask, you know what I mean? They, they, they use, I'm trying to think of, so they put a mask, you know, over me so that I wasn't breathing in, um, any of the material they use very smart protocols. They line, you know, everything around your mouth, um, to make sure that nothing gets absorbed, you know, into the oral cavity. And it's, it is a quick pop out, um, not a lot of drilling, usually the amalgam, you know, mercury filling kind of sits on top of there or sits in, you know, in there. Only one that I had was really pretty extensive and they had to do a little bit more drilling. And so, um, there's a lot of suction going on and, and they're protected as well, right? So you're protected, they're protected. It's different than just being in a regular dental, you know, dental office. Um, and, that's, that's really where now this last one I have, um, is very small. It's just that they didn't want to do it. And I have, you know, have to make plans now they are not covered by insurance, um, to, to take them out. And that's a deterrent for a lot of people is that, you know, the cost of it. Um, but I can tell you, honestly, I've noticed such a big difference since having, I had five of them. So I've had four of them removed and I, I have one left. So, yeah. So you actually had, um, quantifiable testing done to know, at least in your hair, did you do blood too? Like you had, you had elevated levels of mercury. So you knew that prior. I did. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I started, 
doing that because I actually found I had higher levels of aluminum. Um, I, I had a, I had a grand mal seizure um, prior and, you know, I always wondered if that was linked to, you know, higher levels of, of um, <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> well, I, no, I had a question because it's, a, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I'm just curious about this because, um, and Claudia knows this about me, you know, I'm a big diver sailor, spent a lot of time on the water. Um, we know our water is contaminated. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, whether it's at home or where I submerge myself frequently um, and I eat a lot of fish. And while I do try to follow the guidelines on eating fish that don't have mercury, the lower, the smaller fish and things like that. Um, it's interesting that you had the testing because your mold journey le led you there. I, I have not done those testings in part because for me my lifestyle probably puts me in these places and my, some of my behaviors. And so the risk to benefit of knowing and worrying and then thinking, Oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't eat the fish that I like, you know, and the other things. So I, I have not, I have intentionally not gone that route. Um, you know, and so I looked at it while, while yes, data can be helpful and interesting. I, somewhat just operate on the on the belief that I probably have more mercury than I I should but I've never had children never wanted children you know I do what I can to minimize that I too have a sauna upstairs um I have a, a rebounder so I you know I try to get my mm -hmm. my lymph going and stuff like that I try to do the detox and whatnot day in and day out but I personally didn't go that route so I have no quantifiable data However, it is interesting that between the TMJ treatment, because I am going to a specialist, a dentist who uses like manipulation and, you know, natural anti-inflammatories and different types of guards and positioning that that and this feeling, you know, I went from a migraine a week to like one every three, you know, uh, with nothing else changing. So I, I don't know. Uh, but if it's either, it's like a win. So it's interesting to hear that you had the data and you're mm. monitoring. And, and I brought, just brought that up because for people that do follow up and watch this, um, you know, there's different ways to approach this, right? Mm -hmm. And I, dare I say, if I had to have made a special appointment and they put all that stuff in my mouth, I probably wouldn't have done it because I am not your, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm militant about going to the dentist every six months because I believe in it yet it completely freaks me out and I have my call map on and I have my breathe bubble going. <laughs> and so the more stuff they put in there, I mean, I'm like, I know. think it actually makes you feel more protected, right? I think if you knew the consequences of mercury, you know, more mercury entering your, your body, um, it actually made me feel better, right? Because any dentist, quote unquote, can really kind of pop out of mercury filling. Like they can say, oh, I can replace the mercury with Malcolm, but they don't follow the SMART protocol. They don't have the other pieces there. And so for me, it made me feel a lot better. I wasn't going to just go to a regular dentist. After what my body had been through, I was like, I am an in. It's really made me change just about everything, right? So, you know, I learned about endocrine disruptors and, you know, our products that we used to use and hair products and, and makeup and I use all clean products. Um, you know, when I did have my baby, uh, you know, I really, uh, I refrained from vaccines. I really believe there's a huge link, you know, to negative outcomes in children and, and disease states in children from the amount of aluminum and mercuries and vaccines. And so I saw myself, I was fully vaccinated, you know, and look at, you know, look at my testing, you know, it showed once I started removing some of that through sauna, through you know, removal of uh, mercury fillings, um, all of that came down in my hair analysis. And, uh, you know, it just makes me wonder if that's what contributed to some of my health issues, you know, prior. Um, I can say, you know, after going through the kind of pregnancy I had and what happened with me, that, uh, you know, I was filled back up with <laughs> toxins. And so, you know, my goal is this year to do another big de detox. I actually, my first detox that I did with the sauna was, um, a medically prescribed and followed detox. So I did 30 days um, in the sauna with high doses of niacin. And I was actually followed for that. Um, you increase your sauna time, you increase your niacin. I ended up at, oh, sorry, I should shut off my volume. Um, 5,000 milligrams of niacin by the time I was at the end of the 30 days. And that actually helps to pull all of the toxins up and out of the bloodstream um, to sweat it out. So 
Yeah. Wow. I'm a big, I'm a big detoxer. Yeah. So this is really interesting because I, I think I'm probably somewhere in between you and Andrea. Like I don't have any quantifiable, <laughs> I don't have any quantifiable evidence either. It's just been on my list of something to do. And my, um, my CRP. So my C-reactive protein was like, yeah, I had no, like, I didn't really have any symptoms, but you know, I just, I went to a functional medicine doctor to optimize my health. So like, what can I do mm-hmm. to make things better, even though I'm otherwise okay. And, um, she's like, well, your CRP is like 1.8 and you know, we would like it less than one. And she's like, almost everybody that I see who has even a mild bump in their CRP, there's oftentimes some incorporation of what's happening in the mouth. And she's like, do you have any metal fillings? And I'm like, I've had that on my list to get done a long time, you know, for a long time, it's just, it just fell off the priority list. So in any case, that's a lot of us talking. I would now like, I would love for Katie to be like, what's happening? Ask all the questions. Um, what, what comes up for you as far as what you, you would like to know? Yeah, I definitely have a few questions. So Nina already answered one, or at least in her experience. So insurance doesn't cover it. Did they not cover it for either of you? No, mine. I mean, because he was in there, um, you know, and the filling was so old. I don't know how he coded it. <laughs> it was just part and parcel I, of it. Yeah. Don't yeah. ask, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so. I definitely. So the paid. removal. Yeah. The removal is not covered, mm-hmm. but a new filling can be covered under insurance. That's how I did it. So the removal was not covered, but the new, the new synthetic, whatever amount of filling is. Yeah, my dental insurance covers so little that I don't even, <laughs> I mean, I turn it in and then you just take it all back. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, cost-wise, just if you're interested in what yeah. exactly that looks like, um, I think I paid, um, I had two and I want to say with, with the, I did IV vitamin C right after and, um, with the IV vitamin C, I want to say it was like 800 per tooth. Oh, I don't know. Well, something that's not like bad. That. Okay. Yeah. So did you, in my, my, did your dentist do that or did they refer you to an IV vitamin C or did you go to like a restore or something like that? They did. Well, so my, my son has gone to restores and I was, would have been happy to have gone to another location, but they're like, just go right upstairs. And I'm like, is this the one stop? Do you have a Starbucks up there too? <laughs> um, and so they actually had a whole, you know, I I'm in a new town also. And so I didn't, that was part of the reason I didn't do it before is because I did not have access to a dentist who I felt comfortable enough to do this with. And, um, and so when my functional medicine doctor referred me to somebody locally, I'm like, sure, I'll go there. And, uh, they have an entire like IV suite upstairs and they don't just do it for dental reasons. They actually have a lot of cancer patients coming there. So, um, so yeah, the, I think the IV vitamin C was like 220 or 250 or something. And then that plus the, all the other fees for the removal, that's, that's how much it cost me. And mine was about fifteen hundred per tooth, per tooth. and that included the yeah for the vitamin C. Um, so I think it was six. I'm paying up around six thousand, seven thousand already, wow. um, and I have one left to do. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I did multiple vitamin Cs again just to support my you know own system, and I did. I've been up to thirty grams, you know, of vitamin C. So, um, and it's just more because of my history, you know, and having had toxic, you know, such a toxicity before I wanted to really try to prevent that. I think my next question is, so it sounds like Nina, your dentist followed like a certain smart call, but Andrea, you're, you just saw your regular dentist. Yeah, my regular dentist, but you know, he's, he's not from the dark ages, you know, I mean, and it's interesting because having, you know, I mean, all of us here in healthcare, I don't know how much, I mean, I graduated in 93 and look at how different pharmacy is. I mean, how many things we didn't know, did we finally figure out? And now we're like, you know, 30 years later, right? And so we were talking about it before I had it done. He's like, look, yes, there he's, he's, you can probably tell I'm kind of a pragmatist. If I hadn't had a lot, I probably would have been more concerned. One quick and he's like, look, I've read the studies. I I follow protocols. You know, he's like, do you want to go? We, you know, we've had, I'd had that conversation, but since I'm already numbed up for me personally, because of my risks, yeah. dare I say my labs are, you know, I, 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 
research biohacking. I know like what Nina's talking about. I, I toe dip in that world. I have the sauna and I, I do those. For me, risk to benefit at that moment for peace, just to get it out while I was in there. Yeah, I mean, he did some extra stuff, but nothing like additional masks or anything, but it was over so quickly. For me, I was content. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, risk to benefit, right? I, I've never had, my, my C-reactive protein is actually not an issue. So that's interesting to hear because I hadn't heard that correlation. So I'm like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. <laughs> and I, I've taken like a biome test and had mRNA and all those types of things looked at and microbiome and, and different things. And so I felt that it was okay for the one to just be done. Mm -hmm. had, had I thought about it more and had more extensive work or a history like what Nina's talking about, could I have, I mean, yeah, it just didn't carry that weight for me, you know, in that situation. Sure. But I have a feeling we're, we might be 15, 20 years separated. <laughs> and, and based on what your specialty is with, you know, fertility and stuff definitely carries. And not that, not that I'm minimizing impacts of heavy metals. My mom died of brain cancer, had cancer. I mean, you know, I am, you know, we filter, we do everything we can, but in that particular space, it's like, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that makes sense. What do they fill them in with? I'm not really sure about that. I'm glad Just... you asked. <laughs> Cause Nina, I'd be really interesting. Claudia, you guys having done this and this is where I questioned it all of not to be like doubtful, but you know, so mercury, we know it's a problem. If you're old enough, then you remember BPA. Nobody knew anything about that. But then if you had these fillings, the newer versions that weren't mercury, you could have had BPA in fillings from what I was told by dentists, right? So depending on how many fillings you had over a stint, over a period of time, was that more of a risk or not? I don't know. You know, we ripped it all out of our water bottles, right? Because we talked about leaching and yet one of the, I had fillings that were put in by a military dentist overseas. I have no freaking clue what they were using <laughs> in Germany on an army post, right? Um, and they, at that time, um, in the early 2000s, they preferred the metal because soldiers, they felt, weren't taking as good a care and they didn't want to put the newer ones in because they didn't last as long, right? And so, you know, now here we are, almost 40 years since that original, 40 something years from that original, Am I going to find out in five years that whatever they're using now is got some kind of a forever chemical or a plastic in it that I didn't know about that better, worse? I don't know. So dare I say I did it, but we'll see. And I, I don't know what they used that I might find out down the road. So I'm curious, you two, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a resin, right? Um, I think I asked about that and it's some sort of resin that's not supposed to have any plastics or BPA in it. But again, you're right. I mean, listen, we try our best with the information that we have. I've always said that, right? Exactly. So that mer mercury was more, you know, detrimental. Um, you know, so just to kind of give you a little bit of insight on that too, before my mom, my mom was an, um, a dental <laughs> hygienist before she went to nursing school. And when I told her about the HTMA, you know, the, the um, hair mineral test, yeah, hair testing mineral analysis, she said, oh, I wonder if that's the case with me. My mom developed MS symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so since she had the mercury, she actually had high, high levels of mercury in her bloodstream and in her hair testing. And it they said it was because she was a dental hygienist and they were just exposed so much more. And so she's had any mercury fillings removed and has done some detoxing and those symptoms have really reduced a lot. So I do believe there's a correlation, um, you know, there. And I think that's been shown. In Does she also live up North? Is she also mm -hmm. up in Massachusetts? Because isn't it like North of the Mason Dixon line that MS is also a greater. And, and does anybody read any about that? 
No, we're not talking health. Um, there's your disclaimer, Claudia. None of this is intended for my health. But I get my lawyer to tell me what, what to put on this episode. No, well, I'm no. Kidding. So she wasn't diagnosed with MS. She had MS symptoms. Oh, okay. Because I was wondering, I read something once that like MS, like north of the Mason Dixon line or something that it's like, there's a prevalence and things. So I mean, but no, to your point, I'm just curious. I And I think yeah. that this just shows like, we know so much more than we did 30, 40 years ago. Nobody was questioning, you know, forever chemicals. Nobody knew what it was, right? You know, who knows what was in Tang <laughs> or the Kool-Aid, literally, that they were giving us. If you're old enough to have been, if you survived the 1960s and 70s, right? And so how much of that is woven into my cellular makeup that I'm still trying to get out, right? And so, yes. Obviously, I take in new information. I do what I can. Um, but I am curious, like, if anybody has wondered, like, now what you have in there, is that- Well, have you ever done, have you ever done any organic acid testing? No. Mm -mm. I mean, I think that tells you more than anything what's living in, what, what you're still dealing with in your body. Right. Yeah. And it, and it is interesting, and I don't want to take away from what Katie's, uh, you know, her yeah, question sorry. about it and everything. Um, but yeah, I think there's a whole nother conversation around that because, you know, dare I say, I feel rock solid. <laughs> I, I totally get that. I mean, I, I went to the functional medicine doctor thinking I'm going to, you're going to, you're going to test it. Everything's going to be, cause I'm totally fine, but let me know, like what supplements could I, you know, improve on I me? Mean, my, my vitamin D level was robust. I'm totally fine. Um, and I obviously there was plenty to optimize, including my inflammatory yeah. levels. And although they were mild, but, but yeah, if I can do something to improve that, I want to improve that. And, um, I totally had H pylori that I didn't know I have H. And so I'm on this like gut health and zero symptoms. I like, I don't have yeah. any need to take any kind of, um, symptomatic reducing medications. And so I was like, I had no idea. I had no idea I had H pylori. Um, and so in any case, yes, I think that we can feel, I think there's also an element though, that we, um, don't know what it feels like to, to be our optimized mm -hmm. selves. Right. Because I had, I had headaches frequently since I was a kid, but that became my norm. I mean, that's been probably since I've had the fillings in, um, uh, headaches for years. And that's just been my norm. So, okay, I've got another headache. This is how I handle my headaches. And I just move on with my day, not even realizing I might actually be just inhaling these mercury vapors from this elemental mercury in my fillings. And that may be right. the cause. And I haven't had a singular headache since I had the, had them removed. And I don't, and, and the, the dental hygienist was telling me the same thing. She had headaches every single day until she had them removed. And so I think, oh, wow. I think we can feel, we cut, we compensate, we can feel like we feel well. Mm -hmm. And because we are able to, you know, exercise and do our daily activities, but, but we could feel so much better. We, we could optimize. So in any case, Katie, are you bursting with more questions? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it all sounds really great. And I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because I also used to get migraines as well. So it's, I feel like there's a commonality going on here. Those did get better after I got off of birth control, I will say. Um, but I still get them every once in a while. I think another question I have is how long did the process take? And I mean, you can include like the vitamin C infusion. So from like start to finish, how long did it take? For either of you to answer. Well, I mean, I, I came home and just boosted the, the supplements that I used. And so like in terms of the biohacking space or the complementary modalities, you know, I have for the past year and a half been taking certain supplements, you know, that kind of like we were talking about optimize, you know, postmenopausal three years, you know, those types of things. And so certain ones that I take do have kind of a detox component. So I just boosted that mm -hmm. for some time afterwards. Um, and your actual procedure, Andrea, I think you mentioned was pretty quick, like 15 minutes, literally yeah. 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. How about, how about you, Nina? I know you, Nina, you did, um, vitamin C before, and then the yeah. actual procedure was how long for you? I, I want to say it was about three hours, like three to four hours. I was there. So my infusion was a little bit longer. Um, I had glutathione attached to it. And so you can't infuse that too fast. Same thing with the vitamin C and then, you know, just the prep time. Um, 
the removal. So yeah, I, I do remember being there for quite some time. I would I'd probably say about three hours. And that included the IV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The IV, the IV was definitely the, the rate limiting step there yeah. for me too, like the lengthy amount of time, but the actual and the prep too, but the actual, if you were to just snapshot the removal, I was oh. surprised at how quick that actually went, but yeah, the prep of all the filtering and all the whatever, <laughs> and then the IV took like an eternity, it felt like, but, um, I was probably there about the same time Nina mentioned, but the actual removal was very fast. And I, I was expecting like, you know, when I went to go get evaluated and then get scheduled for it, I assumed it was going to be months out and it was going to be this, I mean, I had no basis for that assumption. I just assumed it was going to be this big ordeal and it wasn't at all as far as like scheduling and getting me in. And, um, yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got in pretty quickly too. And Katie, just real quick, um, as far as the IVs and everything and the glutathione, um, I am one of those people who kind of looks at the IVs and just goes like, okay, so what's my risk to benefit there, right? Because I don't like IVs. <laughs> yeah. And so I knew that I could have done that. I chose not to, because to me, it's just, you know, I'm kind of a minimalist in life with the own belongings I own, and I'm kind of a minimalist in that space. So that's just my own resistance. I'm not saying it's not the best thing to do if you're good and trust the people who give you your IVs. Um, to me, it was just one more thing, right? And so if I could do that orally at home with the supplements I had, to some extent, I don't do the degree at which Nina's described. Um, but, you know, I do research, read up on ways to do that by mouth in a way that I feel comfortable. And I just say that because not everybody is in terms of this concept, right? You've got, you know, we're, we just saw it. People can be on very si far sides of the spectrum. Um, the mm -hmm. net result, right? Could be somewhere in the middle for folks. Um, and so then how do you make peace with that process with awareness and, and understanding and, you know, the evidence um, as well? Because it, it, it can be multifactorial. You know, and, and, and you make a really good point, Andrea, right? So for me, you know, I think I've gone to the complete opposite spectrum, like from where I started to, you know, now I'm like, almost like hyper focused on anything and everything that I put into my body and do for my so. And then I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> like, I'm just telling you, it's not, it's yeah. definitely not healthy. So, you know, kind of staying in the middle saying that it's the 80 20 rule. That's kind of how I follow like nutrition, you know, it's the 80 20 rule you know, 80% of the time, you know, watch, you know, what you're eating, count your macros, you know, how, know how much protein you're getting. And 20% of the time, it's okay to not be so, you know, perfect. I think by nature, as pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, folks in pharmacy, we tend to be more perfectionists. So, you know, when you, when you want to own something, you go all in, you know, on it. Um, but to a point that was made a little earlier, you know, I don't think we know how good we can feel until we've actually felt amazing and said, oh, wow, I was missing that for all that time. So for me, it was so clear from everybody, my husband, my family, you know, friends at how amazing I felt and looked when I did that 30 day detox um, using the sauna and high doses of niacin. It was like, I had so much energy. I didn't even know what to do with. I was like up before dawn. It was amazing. I couldn't, my sleep was unbelievable. So there's no question that I think we can all optimize. Uh, my CRP was well over hundred and it took a very long time to come down. And so we knew I was dealing with massive amounts of inflammation. Um, since I've had my child, I have been dealing with massive amounts of inflammation that I cannot figure out. I haven't really had the time to focus on, but I cannot figure out why you know, and why things aren't working, but I haven't committed to sauna work. I haven't committed to even stress, man, you know, stress management and reduction. So, but I love this conversation. I think this is great. I love hearing from different, you know, different people and on the different ends of the spectrum, right? I think the end goal is that you have the mercury removed. It's definitely not great for your body. And however you decide to do it, you know, just know that it's okay. That's okay to decide. Yeah. I don't want to go to a biological <laughs> dentist and um, for me, again, IV therapies have been absolutely crucial. When I got COVID, I was so sick. And there is a nurse who started an IV company. Um, and he came to my home. And he gave me a 30 gram bag of vitamin C. 
and fluids and I didn't have to leave my house <laughs> because I had COVID. <laughs> so I couldn't, but I mean, that was the turning point for me. That's that kept me out of the hospital in my opinion. Yes. Yes. I, um, it's, I had no idea where this conversation was going to go, but I actually love that there, no, I I love that there's um, a variety of experiences and we're not all saying like, we did the exact same thing. So you all should now go do the (laughs) exact same thing. It's not cookie cutter. Obviously we know health is health is an art. We all are, um, on, on the journeys that are right for us. And so I think that, I think this spectrum of experiences is actually really fantastic. I, I would love to say that I put it all together just exactly that way. I did not think <laughs> the universe did for me. So the, ge- the, the genius Claudia, that you <laughs> it just happened. It just happened. Uh, any other um, questions that have come up, Katie? Um, I think one question I had either for you or Nina, because I think you guys had more than one removed. Nina, did you have all four removed at the same time? time or did you have to go at separate times like I didn't know if they could only do one at a time no I actually had two done the first time okay the second time I did one and then I the the fourth time I did one um and it was just more because like everybody else I hate the dentist (laughs) I absolutely hate it um I hate the novocaine I hate the needles in the mouth you know um and I think the first one I had the two because they were so close together so it was just a lot where I was in the same tooth. And so it was one side of the tooth and the back side of the tooth. And so it was just easier to have done. Um, but the, I just didn't. And I also for cost, for, you know, from a cost perspective, it was True. a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of money to have them removed. So I, I did space it out. Um, and then this last one I have to have done and it's just really tiny. So, you know, it's more of the timing, you know, for me to get there and get it done. I'd be curious if having like four or five done at once would actually be too taxing on the body in terms of like detoxifying, even though, you know, you could take all these um, precautions to kind of help with that, but maybe that would be a lot on the body. So I was curious if that was kind of like a protocol that they followed where you can only do so many at a time. That's a good question. Cause I don't remember if they told me I can only do two or three or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. That's probably part of the protocol of the biological dentist. Yeah. You know, depending on what they think is the best. I um, I I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, the IVs. I mean, I think if you get an IV and you can do more than one, it's going to help you, you know, no matter what. So, um, yeah, I assumed they wouldn't be able to do more than one at a time. And they, I, I had only two, so I don't know what happens with a quantity higher than two. But because my two were diagonal, so I had one here and one here, they don't cross the, at least with a smart protocol, they don't cross the midline. So on the same day. So from an exposure standpoint, so if you have two, this is just what my dentist did. I don't know. But if you have two on one side, they'll do it. If you, if it crosses, they won't do it on the same day. So that's a little tidbit. I don't know. Yeah. Did they say why? I didn't know that. Um, just from an exposure risk, I guess, I don't know just um, how much, because it it's elemental mercury. And so the concern is actually mercury vapor. And so the concern is more what you're inhaling than it is what you're digesting. Cause most of that isn't getting, most of it supposedly isn't getting absorbed, but so it's more of an inhalational. So Mm. they don't like to cross the midline. I don't know. That's what they told me. Interesting. Cool. And I'm sure it varies you know, based on, yes, everybody's protocol is going to be whatever practice you go to. Obviously we saw that the price could vary as well between, you know, you and Nina as well. So interesting. And if you type in biological dentist or smart protocol, or you go to the IAOMT website, they'll tell you which doctors have been trained through those protocols. So you can find a dentist that does it. If -hmm. you don't have anybody that you already know of. That was also another question I had. So thank you. There you go. <laughs> we have all the answers, um, except all the legal disclaimers, except don't do anything yes. we said. <laughs> we are just rogue pharmacists. Don't. We don't know anything. Um, we're just telling you our experience. Um, I'll just disclaim this. Like I should just like every five minutes insert it's like a sponsorship, except it's a disclaimer. Um, what I would like to just um, add in though, is for people to know what, the FDA says, <laughs> um, because we know how protective they are of all of us. No, um, 
uh, because this was brought up when I talked to my dentist, I, I was kind of curious, like, well, what, you know, what do the leading authorities have to say about this? So um, it has, has not been a blanket statement by them, but they have started to say that if you are in a high risk population, that they do not recommend you to get mercury amalgam fillings. And so those high risks are pregnant women and their developing fetuses, women who are planning to become pregnant, nursing women, children, especially those younger than six, people with pre-existing neurological disease, people with impaired kidney mm -hmm. function, and people with heightened sensitivity to mercury or other components, because mercury fillings are like about half mercury. And then the other parts is like silver, copper, and tin. So if you have any allergies to those, um, so that, you know, as I was talking to my dentist, cause I kind of already knew I wanted to do this, but I was just curious as to what they knew from just a, you know, knowledge standpoint. And, you know, their, their discussion was around, well, I mean, if there's this entire list of people who are not supposed to have mercury fillings, there's clearly some concern. It's not, you know, it, it's obvious that, that there's some risk from having a mercury filling. So why is it okay for the rest of us just because our bodies are healthy enough to deal with it? I mean, who says that they are, you know? Um, right. And so, and, and what happens after many, many decades, which, you know, I'm, I'm many decades out and, um, and, and so, you know, it definitely brings into question much like I questioned um, I have over the years questioned my dentist about why do I need to have x-rays every year when literally there's never been a singular problem. I mean, aside from when I had my cavities when I was a kid, there's never been a problem ever. You never identify a problem. Why do I have to have this every year? Why do I have to have this exposure? And I, so I did a whole video on this and their argument was well, we're, you know, there's, there's something could be happening underneath and we don't catch it. And I'm like, well, if I don't have any symptoms and you don't see anything, how about we just don't have exposure? And the argument was, well, it's the same amount of exposure when you walk out the door and you have exposure to sunlight. Well, I don't have anybody recommending to me to wear a lead vest to cover my thyroid when I walk outside the door. So this doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and then come to find out that, Europeans don't do it that way. Europeans, it's every two years or more if there's no problems. And um, so my dentist actually tried to fight me and there's no fighting. Like there's no fighting. I'm just not coming back. Like, what are we fighting about? I'm not trying to change your practice. I'm trying to save my own life. So, so that was the end of that dentist. Um, so in any case, you guys might be dying to say something. What do you have to say about that? So it's interesting. And I think that this is just like that, that beautifully sums up what's going on and what will flag in each of us individually. So the FDA, I love what they're saying, because yes, there are people in there and I can listen to that list. And I'm like, this is absolutely why dentists look at me and they go, it's one filling, you know, it's way back there. You don't have kids. You never wanted kids. You don't breastfeed, you know, you have nothing going on. Why would you potentially risk doing something, you know, we could crack a tooth by accident, you know, just the things that can happen when they do a replacement, right? And so I can see why they they took that path. And yet when it comes to x-rays, I tell you, man, my mom had brain cancer, you know, and I lived overseas and I was treated um, on the economy. That's what they would say. So like general treatment, if I if I had a cut, I would go to the clinic on post. But if I needed for like OBGYN stuff, my yearly, I would see a German doctor. They didn't do mammograms in young women, even though my mom had was a high risk inflammatory breast cancer, all this stuff in the US, they would have been doing mammograms. In Germany, it was like, absolutely not. We don't do that to young people, younger women. And I was in my late thirties, early forties, well, late thirties at that time. They're like, we only do ultrasound. And so I became highly sensitive to this whole X-ray thing. And my dentist, you know, they, the, they come in, they go, you know, you haven't had your bite wings done. And I'm like, yep, I'm good. And they're like, you do realize it's about the same amount, like Claudia, you said, a radiation that you would get walking outside or in one of those airplanes. Cause I travel all the time. They're like, you're probably getting more exposure in a plane. And I'm like, good. I'm good with that because then I'm going diving or sailing. And to your point, I'm not wrapped in lead. So, you know, risk to benefit. So I do understand that there's a piece of them. They're like, well, you could have an abscess. You could have a thing that we couldn't tell, a tumor in a sinus or something. So I, and I'm not trying to be argumentative with them, but I'm very clear on that. Let's find a win-win that we both feel good with. 
And so when I, and, and I knew I was having this TMJ dentist come up. And so I was actually banking, not having dental <laughs> x-rays because I knew she would not touch me unless they screened because they're looking for joint malformation. So there is a reason beyond just the teeth. And so for my x-rays, they got the teeth and the joints and the neck to see what everything's going on. But I actually didn't have other x-rays for quite some time and then just had to send the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing over. So, I mean, we all fall on our shield for certain things. <laughs> I guess that that, when you bring that up, Claudia, that was really interesting. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that topic? Because I think, I just, I think the point here is that we're very guideline driven in this country. And so everybody's just like robotically falling in line. And at some point, if it doesn't feel right to us, we should feel empowered to speak up and we don't have any um, unending loyalty to any one provider. And so if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. So um, yeah. Any thoughts on, I mean, I think there's a ton, you guys all make, you know, a lot of great points you know, the exposure, you're right. I mean, I don't like the x-rays either. I've really scaled back on that. I have yet to get a mammogram, so I don't want the exposure. There's other ways to detect or at least start, you know, the process, um, you know, and, and I, I don't even like the fluoride and I, you know, mm -hmm. I just took my daughter for the first time at three years old to the dentist. And I was like, no fluoride, you know, because we do go to a biological dentist and they do not push fluoride. They push healthy eating and drinking good, clean water and, you know, brushing your teeth and, you know, making sure you're using hydroxy nano appetite, right? I don't even know how to say it, yes. you know? And so, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, all the other things that you can do, you know, if fluoride was just a blanket, everybody has to take it, you know, but then why are there neurological concerns with it? You know, why are there, you know, other things linked to it? So on the x-ray part, you know, I don't believe you have to have x-ray bite wings every single year. I do, you know, and I used to travel a lot too for work. Um, I actually learned that there was more radiation in that cylinder thing that you had to go through um, to get TSA, you know, to go through TSA. And I went and got my, you know, TSA pre, you know, pre-check. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have to go through that. Like that. I did all that work to, to prevent trying to get the exposure. You know, are you exposed on a plane? Yeah, probably. I mean, again, you know, it's risk benefit analysis. I can tell you, um, you know, when my daughter was born, she was really sick and she had 13 x-rays before the time she was, you know, four weeks old. So, you know, you have to take it in increments of like, what's the risk benefit analysis? Like, are you going to deny someone of an x-ray? You know, even though, you know, some of us may not feel like it's necessary, you know, you have to, you have to play that, you have to play that part. So. Yeah. You know, Any thoughts, Katie? I was going to bring up fluoride too. I was going to say, oh, yeah. while we're talking about, you know, bringing up concerns and having options, you know, I was going to say, dare we bring up fluoride and the fluoride rinse? And, you know, if you have city water, fluoride's already in the water and pushing fluoride and toothpaste and all those things. So I'm, I'm right with you there, Nina, because my daughter is going to be four in May and there will be absolutely no fluoride. Um, anywhere near her at the dentist. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, being knowledgeable and, and doing your own research and then also advocating for yourself and for your children. That's a really, really big um, cornerstone of how I help women with their fertility is really empowering them with their options, informed consent and really helping them feel confident going to their doctor and advocating, you know, a big thing that comes up with that, not to go off topic is like the glucose test. You know, you have other options that you can do besides taking the glucola. So I am really loving this conversation and that we're all in the healthcare field, but we're bringing up these concerns and these questions. So I think it's great. Well, I think everyone here, whether you wear advocate as a professional title, like Claudia and I do, um, and Nina, to some extent, after talking to you yesterday, I mean, I absolutely understand why you approach everything you do after you told me everything with your health, your child's health. I mean, I would certainly, if I was in your space, you know, we're at very different stages and we've had different journeys, right? 
Um, and I think that that's one of the, the signature pieces of this within advocacy, whether you're a clinician that acts as an advocate or an activist that uses your clinical expertise, whatever. You know, when I talk to folks, it's like, what are your goals? What are your concerns? Let's have conversations because it's truly, you know, standing up for what people, what they want and trying to understand why they're bringing those, you know, why they have these questions, where they're, this is coming from, whether I agree or not, you know, I try to, I try not to look at it as whether I agree or not. It's like, let me learn from you. And what are you sharing so that I can then, you know, understand that space. And then we can kind of lay all the cards out on the table and go, okay, so this is what I see. These are concerns I have. What do you see? What are your concerns? Because it is about honoring who you are, being heard, seen, valued, that whole piece, you know, and like Claudia said, we're not, not everyone has the luxury of picking and choosing their healthcare providers. And I think that that is something we have to acknowledge that in this country, you know, we are talking about something that is elective that we are choosing to do and not everybody operates in that space. And so then if you have to go down a path where you don't have the luxury of other providers or being selective, you know, I think that that's a conversation that also has to be held because not everybody gets to do what we've done, right? And so then how could we minimize risks? How can we optimize health, even if we had to live in that space? That's, so I, I acknowledge that we're talking at this from a very, maybe privileged even is the word, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a different vantage point than some would approach it. Um, but I also think to your point, what you were saying is, is it's important to recognize that if we have options, there are ways to have these conversations, even in 15 minutes, you know, in a paper gown, <laughs> if you're in a doctor's office, half naked under a paper gown or in the dentist, you know, you have many people have the right to be able to go time out. You know, I need to understand this better, you know, and how do we find that win-win? And um, I think that that's where, you know, we have all seen where that ball gets dropped and why we've picked it up and said, no, there are ways to have someone work with you or speak a different way or, or seek win-win. Yes, yes. I love to end on um, empowerment and advocating because if this gives somebody permission to question those x-rays or to question anything, the question, the continuing usage of mercury fillings, um, then yes, allow us to be your permission to, to ask, <laughs> at least ask some questions um, yeah. and, and then decide if it's, if that feels like the right decision. And just to, to add a few more pieces of information, because I always like to compare like what we're doing in this country to what's happening in other countries. I think oftentimes it's, um, we get just very tunnel visioned into whatever's happening in this country is is the most um, superior or what, or the most enlightened, and it's often very much not. Um, so there are several countries that all of the European Union, dentists are actually forbidden from using mercury fillings, at least in pregnant and breastfeeding women under the age, uh, and in children under the age of 15. But um, three, so three more European, I don't know all the European countries who have phased it out completely for for any population, not just what's considered high risk. Um, Ireland, Finland, Slovakia, um, just completely banning. And they joined Sweden and Norway who have just completely banned it in all populations. So the reason I bring that up is just to, to provide you with some pearls that might make you question, um, like why are other countries just completely banning it? They're not limiting that ban to just um, the high risk populations that the FDA is saying. So um, it's just, it's just the the curiosity and the questioning that will help you become a little bit more empowered in, in your own health. So any final words from anybody? I would like to say something. Um, so if you are thinking of becoming pregnant or you are pregnant or breastfeeding, and if you're freaking out like I did, when <laughs> I first learned about even being concerned with the fact that I have mercury fillings because I was reading my absolutely favorite um, pregnancy book, Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. And that's where she talks about it is um, she talks about toxins and mercury comes up and she talked about if you have the mercury fillings, but oh, you can't get them removed when you're pregnant. 
or when you're nursing. So, I mean, I was reading about this in 2018. I was pregnant and then I extended breastfed. So, I mean, that's a long time, but then she does go on to talk about how you can naturally support your natural body's detoxification pathways. So staying hydrated, you know, fueling your body with organic fruits and vegetables, moving your body. Um, you know, you guys have talked about vitamin C and these aren't recommendations for anyone. These are just things that I did myself, but taking vitamin C supplements, supplementing with chlorella, spirulina, like you said, Andrea, because those can help bind heavy metals like mercury and actually increasing like your glycine intake. So bone broth, I ate um, chicharrones, you know, a really good brand of chicharrones because that can um, boost the natural production of glutathione, which is the liver's major detoxification enzyme. So there are other ways that you can do it in a more like gentle and natural way. So don't freak out because I was like, oh my gosh, I want to get these out. But you know, you can't, but our bodies are also have built in detoxification pathways. So I just wanted to to share that in case anyone's listening and freaking out about it. And stressing. <laughs> yes. I don't want to end this on any stressful note. I didn't, hopefully I didn't begin it and I definitely don't want to end it on a stressful, nobody stress. It's you were fine before this episode. You're going to be fine after this episode, but yeah. now you are, are armed with more information and experiences that we've all shared. So thank you all for coming on. It was great meeting you, uh, Katie and great seeing you again, Nina. <laughs> yeah, you too. See you. It was fun. A huge thank you to this amazing group of women for joining me in this panel conversation. I hope you all found this valuable either for yourselves or someone that you know. Feel free to share as you feel is helpful and let's get the word out that this is an option. It's not a necessity or an obligation, but it's an option. And at the end of the day, just knowing your options can be so valuable. So thank you all for joining. I really appreciate you continuing to follow this journey with me and Thank you for your patience as I know the frequency has dropped just a bit um, to allow me to write this book, but I'm really excited to bring that to you as well. So I will see you here again soon. <laughs>